Hi, I'm Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute, and this is the McIver Newsmakers Podcast. It's Friday, May 12, 2023, and the U.S. southern border is in chaos. The Border Patrol is catching 10,000 people a day trying to sneak across the border. And previously, the Border Patrol was allowed to send people they caught right back into Mexico under Title 42. Title 42 ended this past midnight. Now experts predict illegal crossings will increase to 13,000 a day. Even President Biden says expect a surge. And since Biden became president, 4 million migrants have crossed the southern border. We're joined today by Congressman Tom Tiffany, who has investigated this situation thoroughly. Not only has he inspected the southern border, he's even gone to South America to investigate the Darien Gap where the migrant pipeline begins firsthand. Representative, thank you very much for being with us today. Yeah, good to join you, Bill. Yeah, so hey, let's start with the numbers because, you know, they are really confusing. Everywhere you look, there's a different snapshot. You kind of get a different snapshot, but it's hard to get the full picture in. You know, even the, the numbers I even uh, that I uh, included in my intro, even those are, you know, a little bit, you know, those are coming from different sources. So, um, you know, so we're, you know, the, I guess the big question is how many people are crossing the border every day right now? And just to tell you where my starting point is so we can kind of correct those if we need to, I'm, I'm hearing that 10,000 people are getting caught a day by the Border Patrol. 7,400 are getting away, so not included in that 10,000. And then you've got 1,000 people a day that are being allowed in who are applying for asylum. So where, where's the truth in all that? Where, where those numbers really look like? <laughs> yeah, you know, those numbers are accurate in their own way. But I would say the top line number is there's over 6 million people greater than, uh, in other words, a number greater than the population of the state of Wisconsin, which is approaching 6 million now. But over 6 million people have come in illegally since President Biden took office January 20th of 2021. And he announced to the world, we're going to have open borders. So that top line number really is um, north of 6 million. And it's continuing to grow. And uh, Title 42, which is a, a health um, regulation within the federal code, that was allowing the federal government, the Border Patrol, to send some of these people back. And Title 42 going away was the last thing that really is stopping people from getting out. Now, there was an injunction filed in federal court in Florida late last night that said Title 42 needs to stay in place because um, there's no way to document these people who are coming into our country. And there may be other things that were in that judge's ruling. I'm not sure what it is. And uh, so the question is if the Biden administration is complying with it, because ultimately uh, the Biden administration is not following the law here in America. And they could be, or put it this way, they could be keeping people out of the country that want to come in here illegally. They could do it under existing law if they chose to. They've just chosen not to. So with the 6 million, how many of those um, have asylum applications versus how many just cross the border illegally and are just hanging out, do we think? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the exact number, but um, that's probably 3, 4 million, something like that, that... Um, because remember what happened is that when Remain in Mexico ended, which uh, was a Trump era regulation, the Biden administration ended it on January 20th of 2021, and it, they instituted catch and release. And basically what they were saying, rather than having your asylum hearing in Mexico or a safe third country, 
you get to have your asylum hearing here in the United States. They would, the Border Patrol would process your paperwork and let you in. That's why when you hear uh, people, including myself, say the Border Patrol has become a concierge service, that's what we're referencing. We're saying that they are just basically processing paperwork and letting people in. They're not interdicting people anymore and stopping them from coming in the country, at least not many people. And so they get to those people coming in illegally now get to have their asylum hearing in the United States. And uh, what happens is very few of them show up for an asylum hearing. The federal government pursues very few, if any of them, to make sure that they're actually uh, going through asylum. Add one other point here real quick, Bill. When Remain in Mexico was in place under the previous administration, about 95% of asylum claims were de denied because they were not legitimate asylum claims. The same is going on here over the last two years. So now with these asylum claims, uh, you know, technically the law says only 1,000 a day. Are we sticking to that limit and everybody else is just trying to cross illegally or are we just processing as many as we can and we aren't even keeping count? Like, how, is that, how does that limit actually come into play? Yeah, I don't think they even know how many people are coming in. Well, certainly with, I mean, the gotaways now are up to like a million and a half. People not familiar with the uh, term gotaways is exactly uh, as the term you would um, define it. It is people who have evaded the border patrol and simply have come into the country without going through any type of processing. So you've got a million and a half people just in gotaways that are coming in, and that's only an estimate. So um, you, you just have all these people coming in. I think the key number really is the six plus million people that have come into our country illegally here since January 20th of 2021. Now, for people that are at the border with Title 42 gone, uh, they're, let's say you're trying to, you know, you're trying to get in the official way. You're trying to, you know, apply for asylum. Um, if they're trying, if they're even like keeping the pretext of only a thousand people can cross the border legally a day. And now title 42 is gone. My incentive to waiting in line to actually fill out the paperwork has really gone down drastically because if I could just get across the border, I'm good to go. Yeah, and that's what they all know. So remember another part of this is the cartels control the people that come through at the border. Um, you're going to pay the cartels to get in here. It is an incredible cash cow. It's an industry for the cartels at this point. They're making billions of dollars. You're going to pay somewhere three, five, ten thousand $10,000. We've heard of Chinese migrants that are paying as much as $50,000 a head to the cartels to get into the United States. So they're paying. Uh, these people are all paying the cartels to be able to get into the United States. And the cartels do a very good job of coaching these people. You know, this is what you should say to get in. Here's a route you should take to be able to get in and you'll have a less chance of being interdicted. I mean, it's a very sophisticated operation that they have. So do they control the people that are actually applying for asylum too? Like you have to pay the cartels before you can get, even get in line to get to the, the processing station? Yes. Yeah. And, and it's a brutal system that they have. I mean, many people are here in America basically as, uh, uh, as indentured servants. I mean, this is not unlike... Uh, the slave trade from four or five hundred years ago. 
where these people have to pay the cartels for being able to get in here. And many of them are sending remittances back to the cartels as they work here in America. So, yeah, the cartels really control the process. Are there some people that evade and get in on their own without being detected by the cartels? I'm sure there's some. But the cartels generally uh, control the flow of traffic that comes in, and they instruct people on how to be able to get into the country. Well, you know, if, if they've got that tight of control over the migrants, that means that they're monitoring all traffic crossing the border you know they aren't going to just let commerce flow back and forth on their own they're not going to allow legal travel to occur on its own without inspecting vehicles so in effect that would mean that the cartels really do control the border all aspects of it yeah, certainly on the mexican side um they control um they certainly control the border so a couple times when i've been down there what's been pointed out to me by border patrol is you'll see all these wristbands that are down at the border, right where the crossings are. Those wristbands identify people who um, uh, the cartels control. So that wristband oftentimes is, yep, we've paid the cartels and we're allowed to get in here and then they process them into the country. But you see those wristbands all over. In fact, I've got a pack of them that I carry in my briefcase just to show people how it all works. Wow. <laughs> and so these people that are, you know, you, you, you know, one of the stories that started to pop up over, over the past week is, um, you know, semi-trucks found in the desert of, you know, people that apparently didn't pay the cartels when they got across the border. So you know, the process is you pay the cartels some up front and they get you across the border and they you have to pay them the rest? Yeah, for sure. That's what some people do. And it's a brutal system that they employ. Um, uh, there's nothing pretty about uh, if you are not paying the cartels what you've committed to, um, you or a family member will probably pay f with it for your life. I mean, you hear about hangings and stuff like that, people hanging from a rope from a bridge, from a tree, whatever. And that's oftentimes a message from the cartels. Uh, and they make it very public and they make it very obvious. Don't do this because uh, make sure you pay us. Otherwise, you will pay with your life. You know, one other thing that I'd point out is um, a couple of the sheriffs down in Arizona, including Sheriff Mark Lamb, who I've had a chance to talk to numerous times, He's a sheriff in Pinal County, Arizona. He um, points out these little baggies of pills. They're uh, uh, the morning after pill. Mm. Um, many, I wouldn't say most, even though that may be the case, many women and girls are raped on this trip. And it is a brutal, it's just a brutal system that they run. But um, women carry packets of morning after pills um, because they know they're going to be raped. Wow. And so I mean, this is, yeah. Bill, this is the biggest human trafficking operation, perhaps in the history of the world. And there's a number of people that are, uh, you know, I guess you'd say they're complicit. One is the United Nations with the International Organization for Migration. We've seen them, I've seen them set up at the border uh, with Mexico, but I also saw them in Panama. They basically run the process of getting people in the pipeline in Panama and getting them up to the United States 
because, I mean, you have people from over 150 countries that have come to the United States over the last couple of years. And so the International Organization for Migration is complicit in it. Um, some of the faith-based groups, Catholic Charities, Lutheran mm-hmm. Social Services, and others, they um, receive money sometimes as a result of helping out migrants, but they're actually complicit in what's going on. And certainly our federal government, um, our federal government has become complicit in this biggest human trafficking operation in the history of the world. And to a large extent, they're working hand in glove with the cartels. Now they'll say, no, we don't, um, uh, we don't work with the cartels, but in effect they do when they are offering aid and stuff like that that um, the migrants count on. I mean, it's it's really an industrialized process at this point that's going on to move migrants into the United States. Well, and you know, what what's kind of like going through my head right now is that this isn't a problem where you got to send the military and clear the, these guys out. What's going on is we've got policies in this country, our bureaucracy's got all these policies, and the cartels have a business model that nests with those policies. It sounds to me like this is a problem that can be solved by us having tougher policies that the cartel business model won't be able to uh, exploit. Well, whenever you hear um, congressional representatives say, you know, we need to do, like President Biden sends 1,500 troops down to the border. Those troops aren't doing anything to stop people from coming in. They've been doing a little additional drug interdiction because of the fentanyl mm-hmm. uh, travesty that's going on here in America. And it's all window dressing because it's very simple. All President Biden has to do now is say to the United States Senate, pass the Secure the Border Act. I'll implement it. And it's over. The border will be secure. Will a few people get in here and there illegally? Absolutely. But you will basically stop this. And one of the reasons you'll, the, the other reason that it's, that it really went down to a trickle under the previous administration is when they got Remain in Mexico put in place, you have to have your asylum hearing outside of the United States. 95% of them are denied. The message was sent around the world that don't come because you're probably not going to get in. When President Biden said, we're going to start catch and release and remain in Mexico, then the green light was on and everyone around the world knew now's the time to come to America. And we've heard that from um, when, I'm, when I've been down there and talking to some of the migrants coming from whether they're Venezuela or Haiti or whatever, That's they all say the same thing. So despite the brutality of these cartels, that's not a discouragement. I mean, you're, you're telling, you're, you know, it's, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're going into this process as a migrant, knowing that if you're a woman, you're going to get raped. If, you know, if you're a man or a woman, you're going to get robbed. And if they rob you of all your money and you get across the border, then they're going to murder you because you don't have more money to pay them. And people are still coming. Yeah, you still have this picture that, I mean, for all those people that trash the United States of America— um, the rest of the world still views it as nirvana, as the place to go to. Now, the Border Patrol will disabuse. I mean, if if they listen to the Border Patrol, some of them would be disabused of it because you're seeing more and more of them ending up into gangs here in America. We followed a woman that we met uh, down in the Darien Gap from Haiti, 
and she's now in New Jersey. We've been following her Facebook account. She posted something a couple months ago. She said, this is not, I paraphrase here, this is not the land of milk and honey that everybody says it is. Think twice before coming to America. <laughs> wow. I, I doubt it's going to have much of an impact, but that, that is interesting to see the one the, somebody that's follow somebody through that entire journey and then, you know, come to that conclusion at the end of it. Um, hey, would you tell us about the, the Secure the Border Act? What policies did uh, did you guys pass out of the, the House of Representatives that would address this crisis? And, you know, then let's talk about the Senate's, you know, reaction to it. Yes. Yeah, so there's a number of facets to immigration law and securing the border. And um, we took on most, if not all of them. So what it does is, um, in, in probably the key component, you have to have your asylum hearing in Mexico or a safe third country. You no longer get to have your asylum hearing in, in the United States. So, and as I said, most people, by far the majority of people, they don't qualify as asylees. I mean, asylum is a very specific thing that you're under threat in your country that they're going to end your life as a result of taking away your freedom, liberty, and all the rest. But it's very specific things that have to be, you know, it isn't just that you're poor. You know, it isn't just that in your village you have a tyrant for the village leader. You know, it, it isn't stuff like that. I mean, it's very specific to the government that you're coming from. So most people do not qualify. So that's the biggest thing is that um, asylum hearings must be held um, outside the United States. It resumes building the border wall. It hires more border patrol. Um, it uh, provides more money for interdiction efforts to augment what's going on with the border wall being built. Because if you talk to the uh, border patrol, they say we need some of the electronic um, equipment stuff, drones, other things like that, that will help us be able to make sure that the wall works as effectively as possible. We would uh, give additional money for that. And then there's another really key component in this bill, though it was um, um, not nearly as prominent. It's in regards to immigration parole. And this was something that I authored in the bill. Immigration parole is something where you come into our country as um, uh, on an individualized basis. So for example, the Secretary of Homeland Security can parole somebody, let's say they're in Africa and we have a life-saving cure in America that uh, is only in America. The Secretary of Homeland Security can parole that person in to get that life-saving care, but it's always done on an individualized basis. They have used categorical um, uh, parole, uh, Secretary Mayorkas has, and they've waived in over a million people using parole. That is never what it was intended for. It was written back in 1954. It was meant to be used on an individualized basis. We closed that loophole in this bill. So, you know, how would I sum it up? Um, uh, uh, we end um, uh, uh, we we end catch and release. Have to have your asylum hearing. Safe third country. Resume building the border wall add other electronic means to be able to secure it, um, hire more border patrol, and then we end immigration parole on a categorical basis. And uh, how, how have the uh, House Democrats and the Senate uh, uh, reacted to this, uh, this bill? 
Yeah, so we uh, I sit on judiciary and we we ran this bill through judiciary, and um, you know it was the same old thing that you know this is terrible, awful how you want to treat people. It's no way for America to treat people. We can be so much more compassionate and all the rest. There are more migrants that have died on Joe Biden's watch in one year than any other president. You tell me that that's compassionate. You tell me that it's compassionate when you're drawing people to America where many women get raped by the cartels before they get here. You tell me that it's compassionate when you find dozens of bodies on the bottom of the Rio Grande. Tell me it's compassionate when you have 51 migrants that died in the back of a semi-trailer in San Antonio, Texas last summer, they were broiled to death. You tell me it's compassionate when 85,000 unaccompanied alien children are now in this country that this administration has no idea where they're at. And we're hearing more and more stories about them working basically as sweatshop labor in the United States of America, unaccompanied children. There is nothing compassionate about that. Do we have estimates of how many people are going to be coming across now that Title 42 has gone, gone away? We've got 6 million people in this country illegally. How much is that number? Go, or, you know, and, you know, I, I don't know. What, what do we have? Uh, then 9,000 a day that are coming into the country currently. Like, where, where are these numbers headed, do you think? Oh, they'll continue at this pace. I mean, if there's polling that's been done in Central America a number of years ago, how many of you would come to America if you could if you could leave? And it was like 4.2 million. And so there's an incredible number of people that still want to come to America. And remember, this isn't just people coming from Central America, from Haiti from South America. I mean, this is people coming from Ukraine. This is people coming from Africa, the Sudan. I mean, China, there's thousands of Chinese that are coming into this country. And by the way, we should be concerned about the terror threat from that. We should be concerned about um, the communist Chinese sending people in undercover to undermine us in America, which the communist Chinese are doing on a daily basis. I mean, this is a huge threat to our national security. And if for no other reason, the border should be secured for that purpose. Yeah. And I'm, I, I've been, you, you aren't, this isn't the first time I've heard about, you know, the Chinese being among the migrants heading up from South America with just wads and wads of cash, obviously sponsored by their government. What is, you know, what is the theory? Why, why would the Chinese be trying to smuggle in people like that when they can get them in all these other different ways into our country? What, what, do you, what advantage do you see in, in them doing that? I think there's some that are legitimately um, trying to get off from mainland China and make their way to the United States of America. But you just know that the communist Chinese are finding every way possible to burrow into our society. I mean, look at the police stations that they've set up around the world, a hundred around the world, including one just found in New York City, where they're monitoring their citizens, a police station by a foreign government on our soil. I mean, these type of things are happening all over the United States. So who knows what type of... Um, uh, what type of malign interests the Chinese have in trying to undermine our country because they're doing it in every way possible. Now, um, you know, with this whole border situation as it is, it could, it could feel like a remote issue when you're living in Wisconsin. What ways is this impacting us? How are we going to see this impact us, you know, 
going forward? Every state's a border state, and I'll start with fentanyl. Uh, people refer to them as fentanyl overdoses. That is not correct. They are fentanyl poisonings. They're stamping, stamping Percocet, Adderall, other types of pills um, with those markings, but it turns out they're fentanyl. Or fentanyl is being laced into marijuana, cocaine, stuff like that. It's absolutely deadly. I mean, go talk to Aaron Rackwall, who was one of our uh, witnesses a few months ago from Pewaukee. Um, they lost their son to um, to, fent to a fentanyl poisoning uh, while he was going to college. And this is happening all over America. Number one killer of young people in the United States of America now, over 100,000 deaths. And that's why I can't get it for the life of me. Why Democrats? Okay, you want people to be able to come in. But if for no other reason, the fentanyl poisonings is a reason to secure the border, that that's not what you would call a crisis. I cannot believe Democrats watch this happen on, on their watch while we see the number one killer of young people be fentanyl poisonings. And we could drive that down. Um, we could drive that down almost to zero if we secured the border, if for no other reason we should secure the border for that purpose. Now, what is the long term? I mean, I, I know we could tell Republicans are trying to solve this problem as evidenced by the Secure the Border Act. What is the long term game plan for Democrats? I mean, how many people do they want here? What's in it for them? Is this just about Democrats seeing, you know, more vote, more votes for them down the line and their friends all make a lot of money? Is that all this is to it? So certainly the votes is part of it. I mean, look at our neighbor, Minnesota. Um, their legislature just passed a bill that gives driver's licenses to illegal aliens. I mean, it's clear on, you know, I think there's a variety of things that are going on here, a variety of motivations, but that's certainly one of them. They do not believe in our sovereignty. The, the, the people who are the real thinkers within the Democrat Party that lead them, the think tanks and others, they don't believe in borders. They do not believe they should exist. They do not believe in United States sovereignty. And the global elites, they, they do not believe in having this shining city on the hill. The United States of America that was founded on liberty, opportunity, and freedom, they just don't believe in that. They don't believe that there should be an exceptional country. And they're seeking to breach our sovereignty and and they're doing everything they can to do that. I mean, people should disabuse themselves of the notion that, you know, this is just a um, uh, that this is just a misjudgment that they don't quite understand the situation. No, 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 that's not the case. The leading lights in the Democrat Party are doing this intentionally. They want the United States of America's sovereignty undermined. How do we stop? How do we stop this? Have we already crossed the point of no return? I mean, what's, what, how do you envision this thing ending, in a way that you know doesn't end the United States? Yeah, um, it's why I spent so much time on it. Um, we sometimes think we're just pounding our head against the wall in regards to this, but we're hoping the American people will ultimately say, this is an absolutely critical issue. This is a, a top issue number one, number two, number three, that we're going to go vote on. And we're just hoping that more people become aware of what's happening, but how it's undermining our country, how it's killing our children and grandchildren with the fentanyl poisonings, how we've become this 
largest human trafficker. I mean, I think about many liberals in this country. They're aghast when they hear about human trafficking, and they're like, and they legitimately do not agree with it. I just don't think they're connecting the dots that this is something that our country is actually complicit in at this point. I think if more people truly understood the misery that is being bestowed upon people as a result of this open borders policy, I think if more people truly understood it, saw it as some of us have that go to the have been to the border numerous times, I think it would become a bigger issue for them. So we just keep talking about it, keep trying to advance policy that will change what is going on here. Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on this issue at the, the McIver Institute, and, and I, we know you will, too. So, uh, Representative, thank you very much for joining us today. Bill, it's great to uh, join you as always, and I look forward to hearing the podcast. Again, that was Representative Tom Tiffany, and I am Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute. Thank you very much for joining us on this edition of the McIver Newsmakers Podcast. Mm-hmm.